0: And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. How you doing, Heather?
1: I'm doing
2: great. How are you? I'm groovy.
0: I, here we got a little bit of noise in the background. Who do we have with us?
2: You have Beth Wolf from Oaks, North Dakota. Hey,
0: Beth, how are you doing? Yay! Good to, good, to, good to have you with us. How are the sheep? The sheep are great. They're doing very well. Excellent. Uh, we'll we'll get we'll get on to the the actual topic of the show. But if we if we have any extra time, we can have some some scintillating sheep talk because I love the time you spend with your to, your sheep. So so Heather, roll us into this.
1: Well, I wanted to uh, bring Beth on. I'm delighted that she's here because so many people get intrigued by the Renegade Rules, but want to talk to somebody who's actually experienced. Um, <laughs> implementing them, and um, Beth, can you tell us a little bit for those who don't know you um, what kind of program you run and how you encountered It's Okay Not to Share for the first time?
2: Okay, well, I am pleased to tell that. A few years back, I came across a book, but before that, a little bit before that, oh, here we go, a little bit before that, I had... um, Decided that my children needed more of, of, I want to say more of me, but less of me, if that makes sense. I wanted them to have a much more open environment, not something that had so many rules. I felt like I was saying no way too much, and I wanted to remember how to say y- yes. And I couldn't quite figure that out. Mm-hmm. So I so you just were
1: searching. You I was,
2: feeling. I was, and and I knew in my heart what I needed to do, because that's how I raised my kids. But I just was had convinced myself that the parents of my of the children in my program expected something different, mm. and my program had evolved from you know my kids are adults, and so I had to put it bluntly, forgotten what it was like to be a parent in the middle of the trenches. I could send mine home. I need 10 seconds to calm this down. Hey, guys, (laughs) it's okay. You can start eating. Okay? Thank you. And so I just went with that, found your book, like I said, and read it on a trip to Utah my husband and I, when we travel, we travel pretty much straight through. So, 17 hours, I read the book twice, going out, 17 hours coming back, I read the book twice, coming back, pretty much had it memorized and got home and decided, yep, this is, this is exactly what kids need. They need to, it's okay not to share, of course it is,
0: so... And so Beth, how you, you, you mentioned your kids, and I, I've 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 met your daughter. Um, you you guys, you, the the whole thing of doing things one way with your own children and then not feeling right about doing them that same way with other people's kids is is something I've experienced, and I, I think that's I think that's something that that's going to hit home for a lot of caregivers is 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 finding finding that balance or that connection between hey the way way we did it with our kids worked and we should figure out how we can integrate that into into our programs but that's a that's a hard mental thing to wrap your head around sometimes huh
2: it is it is and you know i, I when i when i first started and my kids were little then that's just how i ran my program because it was just like it was my kids but somehow along the way as my kids aged out I became more rigid and I just I couldn't figure out what how that was happening and it was the implementation of one rule after another you know it just that's how it all rolled about and boy it feels so good to be able to listen to them arguing at the table and think, they've got to figure this out. They don't need me to jump in every time they argue. Mm-hmm. Do I need to, to be present and smile and encourage the ones that are having problems? Yep. But I've got to let them du- duke it out for, you know, and it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for anybody that would walk into my program and see that, and think, oh, my gosh, why, you know, she just lets them go at it. And it's like, nope, they'll talk it through, and then they'll be fine. You know, they, the whole weapon play chapter, Heather was like, oh, my gosh. Just yesterday, I had a couple of little guys playing with some foam swords that a a family had made me as, we don't do birthday treats as in cupcakes, Somehow throughout the years, one family has started making a toy for my program. So now every family does that, which is great. (laughs) But the weapon play is like, I get it now. And I didn't, there was a few years there that I had forgotten. Because of, you know, what you hear when you go to cookie cutter trainings, I had kind of fallen into that. Oh okay you know this is this is what they're suggesting i guess this is the kind of training i'm going to go to instead of seeking out trainings that reflected what i truly believed
1: yeah, and you brought me to Oaks, and I've I've been there.
2: Yes, so, you have. And it
1: was you seeking that out to bolster not only your program, but the programs in the area that you thought needed to hear the message, too. So the, the people who are listening, if you feel like you're kind of alone, you can seek people out and bring, bring the message that you need. But I'm curious, Beth, so you... you you finished this trip, road trip, with your husband. You'd read the book now four times. You had it yep. memorized. How did you begin to make changes in your program? You, you'd fallen into what you described as kind of rigid. How did you start things up? Did you start one thing at a time, or did you let the parents know there'd be some shifts? Or How did you go about that?
2: I stopped saying no. You know, when, when kids would say, can I do this? I'd take 10 seconds to think about it in my brain and to kind of walk it through, and then I would say, yeah, you can, or 10 minutes, 10 seconds, because that's all, that's all it takes is for me to just, like, pause, take a breath, play out the scenario quickly, and 99% of the time, anytime a child asks, can I do this, yeah, they can. And I had jumped to saying, nope, that's not going to work right now. You know, I I had had fallen into the trap of putting that off until I could figure out how to make it aesthetically pleasing or figure out how to make it not involve conflict or any of that kind of stuff, instead of just saying, yeah, you can, and then dealing with that stuff in the middle of the, the mud and the mire, you know, dealing with it then instead of trying to prevent it. I just honestly... We got back, and on the way back, thank goodness for smartphones, I sent out a an email that I had just read the the most amazing book, and it had had truly opened my eyes to where I wanted to be in my program because I had I had done the the play based journey thing and you know stopped thematic learning and calendar and all that kind of stuff things I had stopped doing that and we were playing but I was still saying no too often I was still saying you know like okay you can have this toy for 5 minutes and when the timer rings it's somebody else's turn I was still doing those things where I needed to read your book to really be like oh my gosh yes that's what that's what I want so I wrote the email and said guys when I get home tomorrow, life's going to be different, and you're going to have to bear with me, and thanks, thank goodness that it's summer, because it's much easier. My program always, has always been much more loose in the summer, because I always felt that's what the school kids needed, so, you know, the parents were kind of expecting that. They were used to to us being outside for 7.5 hours a day, and so they were, you know, they were used to that, but... Boy, they weren't quite used to the wrestling and and the weapon play and all that kind of stuff, which was, I just said, you have to trust me. You have to trust me on this. I'm not going to let them break each other's bones. They're going to stop themselves before they get to that point. They need to be able to climb the tree as high as they can climb the tree. It's going to be okay. I use the words now do you feel safe? Are you comfortable? If you fall from there, that's gonna hurt. Those are words I use every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you, and you, I'm
1: gathering the kids made the adjustment pretty easily. Oh yeah. Mostly um, that you had to keep that trust that you'd already established with your family, um, keep them feeling like they could keep trusting you as you made the transition.
2: Right, and when when I would be like at pickup time or if, if it was in the middle of something and I was, like, documenting it or taking a video on my phone or whatever, then I'd make sure that I shared that with the parents of the children that were involved, especially with those parents, and say, see, look what happened here today. I can't believe it. And, I mean, they walked the journey with me. I've loaned that book out to many of my parents. I, I Honestly, Heather, I give your book to every every baby shower I go to, they get the book. And that's what everybody calls it. Oh, we got the book. This is so cool. Thank you. And they just know they got the book.
0: So after that initial little "Eh," from the parents, did you have any, any of them that had any major pushback for some of those changes or did they all, all kind of fall into line and, and get it pretty quickly?
2: Um, for the most part, Jeff, I'd say they, they fell into line and they got it pretty quickly. They still, like, wanted to intervene if, like, they felt it was something that shouldn't be going on. And I'd politely remind them that when they were on my property, the children got to do things my way. And I'm really sorry if, it, if you don't do it that way at your house, but that's why you bring them here is to give them those experiences. hmm and, yeah. you know, it's, it's easy for me to say that after you've, you know, I've been doing this since 1980, graduated from college in 83, so I've been doing it forever. And I just really pull the experience card. And I think, I think it's easier for me now because of my age. I don't feel so much as a peer to the parents of my program. I feel that I'm a mentor. Mm-hmm. And that's a totally different feeling, and it's so much easier for me personally to discuss things with parents.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's that mentor relationship is actually... A role that we're increasingly missing in our in our society is people don't have a mentor to watch and learn from as much as we used to, even if it was just the the family living nearby. So I think um, it's wonderful that you can play that that real life role of mentor to so many families.
0: Beth, in your experience, do a lot of caregivers feel uncomfortable taking on that role, or or um, maybe or maybe maybe not uncomfortable, maybe ill equipped?
2: Yeah, I would kind of, I would agree with that. And I feel like um, because of all the, the regulations and everything that have changed over the years, I think they also feel like they don't, they're afraid to break a rule because they're afraid they're going to lose their license. Yeah. You know, so I I think that's hard for them. You know, I being a provider right now in this, it's a tricky walk.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And do you
1: find that any of the um, types of play that you're now welcoming are are difficult to do um, when you're thinking of things like um, licensing or other kinds of adult judgment of, of what kids should or should not be doing? Do you, do you find that difficult, or do you find it easy to integrate that?
2: I can see where some think it's difficult. I don't, because I, I'm one of these, I, I jump in with, with both feet. If, if I truly believe in something, I jump in and I swim. I, there's no, like, I don't do a lot of treading of water. Because if it's something I believe in with my heart, I'm going after it. And so anything that these kids do, I can link it to a standard in our North Dakota Early Learning Guidelines and Standards. I can link it there. I can link it to a domain. And if somebody's got a question with it, I'll say, Here you go. And if they say things like, Well, if they fall, there's not a safe zone, I'll say, You're right children need to learn how to fall to catch themselves and I'll back that up with documentation so that's what I encourage like the providers that I come into contact with that's how I encourage them to you know to to feel confident enough to talk to parents or to talk to their licensor that you know we're we're not like sitting on our couch eating bonbons while these kids are going nuts we're right there and we you know we talk to kids about safety kids when we were young we jumped out of trees we jumped out of the haymow into a pile of hay because we knew how to do that and we knew we were trusted so that's that's what i tell the, the providers to do educate yourself figure out what your kids like to do best and link that to a to a domain or link it to a, a guideline or standard and, and that's how you can back it up.
0: And, so and then how do they respond? Do they do they take that advice and do it or do they they point to the regulations and say I can't again? Because I think I, it's I've seen probably
2: both. a little of both. Yeah. I mean there are there are the providers that absolutely will embrace that and you know, they get really as serious about linking their their um the activities in their program to domains and standards as they were about paying for a boxed curriculum that did that all for them.
1: And are there some of the parts of the book, I'm uh, I'm thinking of you again on your road trip reading the book, were there some chapters that even though you sounded like you were at an extremely ready and receptive stage where you were looking for how can I make some changes, were there some topics that made you Uh, take a second look or take some getting used to? Were there ones that made you go, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready
2: for this? (laughs) Yes, there was, and it was the gun play or the weapon play because that was just something that, I mean, I I believe everybody has the right to whatever they want, and I come from a family of, of very... Half of them are hunters and half of them are not. And so I was not around guns, and I was very uncomfortable with them. And even though my brothers – go ahead and go, Claire. Even though my brothers, you know, engaged in weapon play, I never did. So I didn't necessarily see a lot of that, and I didn't understand it. So that took me the summer to get it, and it took a lot of, like – standing back and watching them go at it and watching their faces. And quite honestly, it wasn't until, oh, a, probably the next the next um, winter when we had gotten a puppy and I had taken him to obedience classes. And the instructor was telling us how, when animals play, they give out the body language, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's instinctive with every creature on this earth, you know. So then I, I kind of got it and could wrap my head around it a little bit more. To mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: okay. so start but from I think, the roots of it,
2: yeah. Yeah, and I think that it was just because I had never done that, so I, I didn't get it. So I needed to really take some, some time to watch the kids and watch their faces. And I've got like a 22-minute video of two little guys wrestling. They wrestled solid for 22 minutes. (laughs) And all the other kids are sitting on the furniture cheering them on. Every now and then one will get down and go do something and then come back. And those two got done, and they hopped up on the the other couch. They looked at each other and said, We need a drink of water. (laughs) I mean, it was solid 22 minutes of grunting and thunking and it was amazing and had I not read your book I would not have ever seen something like that to really understand it
1: mm-hmm. so not just the weapon play but some of the rougher play yep and did you um had the kids probably in your program had always known that you didn't maybe do the weapon play or the or the wrestling. So how did you let them know it was maybe okay to try it, or did you just watch and, and let it unfold as it?
2: I, that's what I did. I stopped stopping it. Mm. You know, because kids always have a weapon with them. It was the adults that stops in and stops their play because it's weapon play. So they would go behind the playhouse or they would go up in the trees or whatever, and they'd continue their weapon play thinking I was oblivious to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the time I probably was. But when I made that change, I noticed it much more, and and that's how I just stopped saying anything about it, and they came out of cover. They just... (laughs) Started doing it in front of me, and I never said anything. They never said anything, and life
0: just continued. Well, and I think that's a that's a big thing there when cause they're gonna get, this kind of play that we try to ban because we as the adults are uncomfortable with it. It's gonna it's gonna happen anyway because it's it's in the child. And exactly. When we drive it underground and make it taboo, we also force it out of our direct line of sight, and then it it makes it more difficult for us to be supportive when it comes to creating an environment that that's most uh, most prepared for for those types of play. And so when we bring it out in the open, we get better at supporting it and I think emotionally everybody's better with it too because the the kids don't feel like they're they're sneaking around with it and we don't feel as the adults like we're being the bad guy saying no to everything. right yep. Hey, tune in next week for more of our interview with Beth and how she got all renegade in her family child care program. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Schumacher. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh... Uh...